Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. again to the 30-something movie, but I, I just re- really enjoyed the Halloween introduction. I have a lot of fun with that every time we get to put that on each year. Um, I am John, by the way, very, very quickly. Thank you for joining us once again. It's episode number 267 of the 30-something movie podcast. Uh, we are, once again, it's been a kind of a crazy school year. We've had a little bit of uh, a tough time getting the guys together to do some of our recordings in a timely fashion. Uh, I have, I don't know if I mentioned it on the episodes or not, we probably were recording them before uh, anything was official. I actually have a new job now in my school district, so schedules and whatnot are going to continue to be crazy for recording and getting all this stuff worked out. So in the meantime, we're, we're just kind of doing the best we can to uh, put together the episodes, uh, even if we have to record some stuff out of order. And like for a little while, I'm probably going to be recording the intro to everything, like giving out the names of the actors that are in the movie, stuff like that. If we have a chance to get together and record some of the movie news as that stuff comes up, we will. But just pull back the curtain a little bit, let you guys know what's going on with the show, that uh, we are still dedicated to getting an episode out there every week and, and keeping on with our uh, 1989 movies, but just to kind of let you know, that is what's going on with the rest of us. It has been a crazy busy year, a lot of changes for me in particular, so that obviously affects the ability to edit and, and do all that other stuff, so that is why we are where we are currently at right now, so... Uh, again, we are episode number 267, Pet Cemetery. So I'm going to jump on into this one. I, I was going to look, look and see real fast if there was any movie news. I did see a couple things real quick. Um, if you are a Hocus Pocus fan, the Disney movie Hocus Pocus with the witches, it is Halloween time. That's a good time to go back and rewatch Hocus Pocus. If you are interested in Hocus Pocus 2, the sequel... It is apparently moving forward as a Disney Plus movie, so not necessarily coming out in movie theaters, but it will be on the Disney Plus streaming service. Uh, They have hired some new writers for the movie as well. Uh, Not sure yet if the original cast will be showing up from the original Hocus Pocus movie, but that is a piece of new movie news that's out right now. A couple other things that have come out more recently. James Cameron uh, has been talking about sequels to Terminator Dark Fate. The only thing I'm going to say to this one, apparently the sequels uh, will deal with humanity's relationship with AI. The only thing I'm going to say to this one is I really wish James Cameron would just make one movie at a time. You know, we don't need he hasn't even made Avatar 2 and he already has it planned out for Avatar 2 through 11 or whatever, some ridiculous number. Same thing with the Terminator stuff. This one hasn't even come out yet. We don't even know if this one's any good. 
let this movie come out first and then let's talk about sequels because you really have had a lot of false starts with the Terminator movies lately. So let's just worry about this one and then you can talk about if there's any sequels after the fact. So just calm down. Calm down, Jimmy. All right. Uh, that's pretty much it for right now. Uh, the, the new this will turn into an entire episode if I start going in on this. The final trailer for Star Wars Rise of Skywalker came out on Monday Night Football the other day. probably watched it about 30 or 40 times already i have many many thoughts on it i'm not going to be able to go through and do an entire episode recording on it like i did for some of the other ones suffice to say it i'm really excited about this one there's several moments in this new trailer that just it just i was hooked all of those scenes with the star destroyers either coming up out of the ice or the water or whatever that's supposed to be that asteroid that looks like um, if that's supposed to be Kijimi, the ice planet or the the where one of the cities is that they're going to be visiting it just looks really cool like all the stuff in there getting to hear a little bit more from palpatine a little bit more from luke the scene with all of the uh, uh, alliance or resistance, whatever they're going to be calling themselves, all those ships—it's—it's uh, it's got me ready to go. So I have—I've bought my tickets. Family's got tickets ready to go for the opening weekend. So we are all set for that. And now we just need to uh, sit there and watch the calendar and the clock until it gets to be uh, December twentieth, and then we'll be there. So if you've got any thoughts on any of those things, feel free to give us a call if you want to call the voicemail line or if you want to email us, tweet us. 
however you want to get in touch with us, go to 30podcast.com. That's the best way to find all the different ways to reach out to us. Very, very quickly, um, I will give kind of our, our typical spiel is that we are a spoiler podcast. So as we are talking about movies, we're just going to talk all about them. And if we happen to mention another movie, we may you may want to skip ahead a few seconds because it's possible we'll spoil something about another movie that we're talking about. We just kind of let the conversation flow through freely. See, I've got the whole Palpatine thing going now that I'm really excited about the trailer and the movie. And the, so, yes, things will things will flow. So just be aware of that. Uh, if you have not gone to iTunes and left us a review, we would really appreciate that. That's one of the best ways that you can help support the show. Other than interacting with us, we, we love to talk to people on Twitter and Facebook and all those different places. So um, if you have not yet gone to iTunes to leave us a five-star review, that would be most appreciated. Um, I'd love to see us at some point getting up into, into some of those charts. I know at one point we were up in the charts in the French iTunes store. Sacre bleu, je ne sais quoi. Uh, Les poissons. Um, so yeah, we, we were up there at one point in the, I believe the French store. So I would love to see that happen in the American store or one of the other stores really don't care. But, um, best way to do that is to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing and what you're enjoying about the show. All right. So I think that's going to be about time for us to jump in on to the DeLorean and go back to 89 for just a moment. So this week in 89, didn't find a whole lot for this week. We're, we're kind of looking at the last week of October in 1989. On October 28th, the Oakland A's sweep the San Francisco Giants in the Earthquake World Series. Uh, for anybody who was around and remembers that one. The top book was Clear and Present Danger by Tom Clancy. The top movie was Look Who's Talking, starring Kirstie Alley and John Travolta uh, and Bruce Willis. The top song was Girl, I'm Going to Miss You by Millie Vanilli. So we actually had, we, we have a bit of a milestone for this episode. We had uh, our first caller call into the voicemail line who is not one of the hosts of the show. Um, typically, we haven't had anybody call into the voicemail line just yet. And we've, we, that's always been open ever since, I want to say since the show started, I think, uh, or pretty early on. But uh, it's kind of gotten used by the guys whenever they're not able to come in to the show. They're not able to uh, to record with us in person and they kind of have to do it after the fact. That's kind of, you know, that, that's been a benefit of, of having that so they can just call in really quickly. But uh, we did have uh, one of our listeners, um, D. Graves, who I believe, if I remember correctly, I believe he is in Oklahoma, part of our Oklahoma uh, group of listeners that are down there with Jason and a few of the others. Uh, Tristan, Jason, D., you know, a whole bunch of those guys uh, are constantly interacting with us on Twitter. So thank you so much, guys, for being a part of the show. And we just really appreciate you guys listening and and just uh, all the support you've given us and just some of the great conversations and uh, tweets and retweets that we've had on Twitter. So uh, D called in. I'm going to play his message and uh, I'll comment on it real quick uh, once once that's done playing. Hey, John, this is D Graves tweeted with you several times, but uh, just thought it was time to call in. Plus, I'm driving and I just finished the Joker episode. Wanted to say, yeah, you and I are pretty well on the same page on that one. I do feel like I need to go rewatch it. Um, and I'll get Colvin in there with me. But I just wanted to tell you I'm really enjoying the episodes. You guys are doing a great job. Uh, look forward to more in the future, except maybe Pet Cemetery. That was a, such an awful movie. Anyway, thanks. Bye. 
Hey, first of all, D, I want to take a moment and just say thank you so much for calling in to the uh, what we affectionately call the love line, the voicemail line here on the show. Uh, really appreciate it. You know, it's just it's it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun doing this because we're just a bunch of friends that loved sitting around and talking movies anyway. But um, you know, just to, to get feedback from you know anybody listening to our show and being able to to tweet with you guys and and have some discussions going back and forth, um, even on a, a quick format like Twitter. It's just been a lot of fun to to get to know some people and and to really kind of hear back from from those of you that have been listening and, and the fact that you're enjoying the show. So, you know, thank you so much for taking the time. We really, really appreciate that. I know I'll, I'll speak for the other guys on here and say we really appreciate you taking the time to call in and, and just kind of share some of your thoughts with us and and uh, let us know how we're doing. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, you and I, we commented back and forth a little bit on Twitter that we were on the same page with the Joker movie. It was one of those movies where I do enjoy, I enjoy a good movie where stuff blows up and I can just have my popcorn switch off my brain for a little bit and just enjoy watching some stuff blow up or some action happen or some comedy happen. But at the same time, there's also movies where I come out of the movie theater really thinking hard about what I just watched. And in some ways, it really reminds me of, particularly this one, because you've got so many so much of it is paying tribute to the movies of Martin Scorsese and Sidney Lumet and, and some of those older classic movies. It kind of reminds me of when I went to go see, and I think I commented on this in the Joker episode, when I went to go see Taxi Driver uh, in college, one of the local theaters was doing kind of a rerun movie festival, I think is what they were calling it. And one of the ones they were showing was Taxi Driver. And at that point, I had never seen it before. I want to say tickets were two bucks to go see it. Popcorn was cheap. The tickets were two bucks. So I decided, you know what, let's go do it. So I saw that, saw several. It, that was actually one of the first times I ever saw Evil Dead 2 was in the movie theater uh, as part of that rerun film festival. So it, yeah, it's uh, this movie. I had the same, almost had the same kind of feeling the first time I watched Fight Club. When I, the first time I watched Fight Club, I actually went back and, and immediately rewound the VHS tape that tells you, you know, how old that was. Uh, rewound the VHS tape and watched it again immediately after finishing it the first time. This one, it was kind of the same way. I knew I needed to kind of process what I had seen in this movie a little bit, but I definitely do want to try to go see it again if I have a chance to, because there's just so, there was so much that I wanted to dig into on this movie and it, it caused me to think about the characters and, and what was really going on here and just phenomenal. I mean, I think I commented in the, in the Joker episode that I did phenomenal acting by, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I know some people have not cared for it as much. And, um, but that was the part that just, I thought it was just amazing, you know, how he progressed that character from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. And I think I, I have commented too that I did not go into that movie with any, I tried to not to go in with any preconceived notions about what it was going to be. And I, I was kind of surprised at how I came away with having watched it through the lens of mental health. And I know that was one of the themes of the movie, but I've heard so many other people talk about different things that they thought that movie was about. I've heard people say it was about toxic masculinity I've heard people say it's about all kinds of different things. Uh, it's about corruption in the government and, and, and stuff like that. And like, that's fine. I mean, 
I don't think any of those are wrong. I think I see bits and pieces of those throughout the movie. And I'm not saying that the mental health piece is the biggest part of it, but it's one of those movies that I, I came away from the movie and it was causing me to think. And I, I was thinking it was very convicting. And I thought, all right, what am I doing? Like, am I, even if we were not talking mental health issues, but just somebody going through something and they need someone on their side, someone who's vulnerable and they need somebody to help them and they're just not getting the help and they're being continually beat down, whether it's literally, figuratively, whatever it might be. And so I think that was something about this movie that really kind of caught me as I watched it was when we when we cut budgets, when we cut services in cities and communities, we tend to cut those programs that are needed by the people who are most vulnerable. And I think that was just something that as I came away from this movie, as someone who was an educator, who's worked with kids, worked with kids who have mental health issues, that I think that was the big piece of this movie, the big theme of this movie that at least I walked away with really having focused on as I watched it. So yeah, it enjoyed the movie, enjoyed Joaquin Phoenix's performance. I definitely want to go see it again at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I think we're on the same page with that. In terms of Pet Cemetery, we're about to jump into that one right now. I think we're probably on the same page on that one too. Uh, yeah, not a... Uh, not a movie I'm going to rewatch anytime soon. So uh, you can listen to the rest of the, this episode and find out uh, find out how we felt about it. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's not going in the top 10 of anything anytime soon. So thank you again, D, for calling in. Uh, we really appreciate it, man. And, and uh, hope you're hope you're having a, a good morning, afternoon or night whenever you're listening to this. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for calling in. And uh, we'll we'll check you later next time. Let's go ahead and jump on into our background info on Pet Cemetery. Came out on the 21st of April, 1989, rated R, with a runtime of 1 hour and 43 minutes. Directed by Mary Lambert, who also did some Madonna music videos, Janet Jackson music videos, The In Crowd, and Pet Cemetery 2. Producer on this one was Richard P. Rubenstein. He did Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, and The Stand. Writer was Stephen King, who did Maximum Overdrive and The Shawshank Redemption. Cinematography by Peter Stein. He did Necessary Roughness and Mr. Nanny, another Hulk Hogan classic. Music by Elliot Goldenthal, who also did Demolition Man. I love that movie. I'm looking forward to talking about that one in a few years. And Batman Forever. I'm okay with that movie, and we'll probably cover it in a few years. Budget was $11.5 million. Box office was $57.5 million. Rotten Tomatoes critics give it a 50%. Rotten Tomatoes audience gives it a 59%. IMDb gives it a 66%. Letterbox a 64%. And Cinema Score a B. Starring Dale Midkiff as Lewis Creed. He was in Love Comes Softly and Time Tracks. I remember watching Time Tracks back in the day a little bit. Fred Gwynn died in 1993. He was Judd Crandall. He was Herman Munster from The Munsters. He was the judge in My Cousin Vinny. He was also in Car 54, Where Are You? Denise Crosby played Rachel Creed. She was Tasha Yar in Star Trek The Next Generation. She was also in Deep Impact. Brad Greenquist played Victor Pascal. He was in Ali and the TV series Stargate SG-1. Michael Lombard played Erwin Goldman. He was in The Devil's Advocate and Crocodile Dundee. Miko Hughes played Gage Creed. He was in New Nightmare and Kindergarten Cop. Blaze Berdahl played Ellie Creed. She was in Are You Afraid of the Dark and We're Back. And Susan Blomart played Missy Dandridge. She was in Edward Scissorhands and Mouse Hunt. Here's the trailer and we'll be back right after that.
What is this place? I brought you here to bury Alan's cat. Daddy, is church all right? Why, Judd? I have my reasons. I dreamed he got hit by a car, and you and Mr. Crandall buried him in the pet cemetery. What did we do tonight, Judd? What we did, Lois, was a secret. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Has anyone ever buried a person up there? May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. You're thinking thoughts that's not thought of. Daddy's gonna do something really bad. You're thinking of putting him up there. Don't deny the thought hadn't crossed your mind. Come back to me, Gage. Come back to us. Pictures presents Stephen King's all-time best-selling tale of horror. Pet Cemetery. All right, so Pat, I want to do something a little bit different. Um, I went on and looked up. I wanted to kind of streamline some of our, our discussions as we talk about our different movies. Okay. So I went and found uh, there was a book called Focus, The Art and Soul of Cinema. Okay. And the author's name is Tony Watkins. And one of the things, now we're not going to, uh, we've you know, pulled back the curtain a little bit and, and, you know, I think we've, we've mentioned this before on the podcast. Um, you and I share basically the same religious beliefs. Pretty much. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this book was written from a, uh, a Christian perspective in terms of watching movies. Okay. So it has a whole bunch of questions. It's, I think there's like a, a 20 questions that you pull out of this, uh, out of this book on how to view movies and how to talk about it with regard to, you know, some of it, just the art of cinema itself. But the other part of the book is the soul of cinema. So mm-hmm. they spend a decent portion of time talking about, you know, how does this affect our faith and, and things like that. So I'm not necessarily going to get into those questions because okay. that's, that's not what this podcast is about. Okay. Right. Um, right. You know, and, and we have, you know, other people join us from time to time, or we have other co-hosts that may not necessarily share the, the same beliefs that we do. So, um, right. but right. I am going to, okay. I am going to borrow some of the questions that he came up with. Cause I thought they were really good questions to get kind of a movie conversation going. And I felt okay. like our, our next few movies, we might need a little bit of prompting to talk about them in a positive way. Okay. That could, I could, I could see that. I could see that. So, so I did, I, I kind of adapted or took or stole some of these questions from the book focus, the art and soul of cinema. So if anybody wants to check it out, I haven't checked out the entire book yet. Um, but I did kind of borrow these questions from there. So thank you to Tony Watkins for developing this. Uh, I've never met him, but, um, I will, I'd like to find a copy of his book and, and read it to kind of see what's going on with it. So, um, so thanks, I'm going to start Tony. off. Yeah. Thanks Tony. Uh, so I'm going to start off with one of the first questions that he poses as you're kind of taking a look at a movie. Uh, we're talking Pet Cemetery tonight, and we just heard the trailer audio and, and everything else. And so my first question is not, when did you first see this? Because I know this was probably the first time you saw this. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time viewing it for me. I hadn't seen it before. Oh, okay. My first question is, how did this movie make you feel? How did the movie make me feel? Yeah. Well, this, this, is, kind of a, this is kind of a Spock, um, you know, regaining his education. How do you feel? How do you feel? Um, how so, do you feel? After watching Pet Cemetery, how do you feel? Tell my mother, I feel fine. <laughs> um, I, uh, after after watching it, I just kind of unsettled. I mean, watching it, I kind of I kind of fall into the okay. This this isn't really my 
my genre. So, you know, I, I, okay, I can kind of accept it. Okay, that's going to be this. There's going to be that, the other thing. You know, I, I can, based on what you guys have talked about with horror movies, I can see how that all fits in. Um, that being said, while I was watching it, it was like, you know, a couple things, kind of more humorous, but like, don't let the kids play anywhere near the road. Okay. Run, run, like my cousin calls it a zone defense. All right. You've got the zone. You keep the kids out of the road. Like that kind of stuff is just, you know, just kind of gets annoying, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, then my second thing was, all right, the next time the family pet dies, just put it in a garbage bag and go either throw it in the trash or bury it in the backyard. I mean, stop all this other kind of stuff right? Just stay out of trouble. And all of those were kind of humorous things. Once it got into the kid and the whole thing like that, I was like, yeah, that's, that's below the age of uh, tolerance for that. I, 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 that, I, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And so the ending of the movie really was just kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't like this at all. So that's, that's kind of how it, it wrapped up. The beginning parts were kind of humorous. Um, and, you know, I mean, the story, as far as horror things go, I mean, I could, I could see how people would get into it. I mean, it was kind of a compelling story. Um, the whole, you bury them here and they'll come back and they have a 50% chance of being good and all that. Um, okay, I'm going to be very careful because I'm going to start talking about, uh, well, let's, let, me, let me not spoil anything, but, uh, you know, there are similar kinds of, of, of themes that will arise in, um, a show that I really like. Okay, there, there, was, a, there was kind of a, a subplot or a plot or something that involved that uh, in a show that I really like. Um, so it was like, okay, that's kind of cool. You know, like the whole like, okay, bury him and then they come back to life and are they good or are they bad? Or, you know, sort of like with Spock. Okay, he's, he's back, but is he really back? He's, he kind of isn't totally focused in the world. And, and so it's like, okay, well, that's kind of cool. And, you know, the um, Herman Munster, you know, he was kind of a, uh, uh, you know, he was kind of a uh, neat to see in this role. And so that was entertaining and, you know, all this stuff. But then once it got into the kid getting killed and then all that kind of stuff, I just really, I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like this at all. When the kid comes back and the kid's evil and all that kind of stuff. I mean, if they had written it like a kind of a horror thriller, like, okay, what would you do if you lost a child and this avenue was open to you, would you do it? Okay, but they kind of, they really didn't even get in depth with that. They just made it into kind of a, a hacker slasher kind of thing. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to just keep repeating myself, but that's what I'd say. You know, while I was watching, I'm like, okay, I can tolerate, I can stomach this. This is fun. You know, okay. The bad guy, you know, the, the guy that he saved that kept popping up, you know, to help him out. That kind of reminded me of the buddy in American Werewolf in London, you know, so I'm like, okay, that's good. Eh, that's good. And then right up until with the kid. And then it was just like, yeah, I, like I said, I just don't like this at all. I'm out. Yep. That, yep. Exactly. The Kramer. I'm out. So yeah, that was that was kind of that was kind of me too. I when we went into this, and um, you know, my my wife's not a huge fan of horror movies either, but you know, she she was kind enough to watch this with me because mm -hmm. I told her I had some movies I had to watch for the podcast, and I spared her from having to watch one of the other ones that I knew really would not have gone over well. Um, okay. So we watched, she watched it with me. With, ugh, let's try talking again. Uh, mm -hmm. She watched it with me, and most of our responses were, "Hey, look, I, I could make this movie real short." Don't do that. 
like you know you have the typical you know how do you how do you get a, a dog to pay attention you roll up a newspaper whack it on the nose and say bad boy don't do that you kind of want to do that with most of the people in this movie yeah was roll up a newspaper whack them on the nose and say don't just stop it stop right. it uh right. bad herman monster mm-hmm. um and actually the Herman Munster character is probably my favorite person in the whole movie, but right. Right. Yeah, watching this movie was partly it was uncomfortable because I didn't expect it to be. And I knew a lot of the older Stephen King movies were mm-hmm. very much, uh, they had that very much that like TV movie or direct to video kind of feel to them in terms of the acting mm-hmm. and things like that. So when I got into it, I, I wasn't expecting that. Like I wasn't expecting the acting and the uh, things like that to be as bad as I feel like mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. but just in general, I knew going into this movie, what the premise of the movie was. I, I knew that eventually something was going to happen. He was going to take his kid, bury his kid and have his kid come back to life. Um, other than that, I, I didn't know anything else about the story. I haven't read uh, the pet cemetery book. I haven't, you know, hadn't watched this before. So mm-hmm. I was going into it, you know, mostly fresh, knowing kind of the basics of the story. And it just, I think that, I think the acting and I think some of the, um, I don't want to say it was all bad. Like some of the stuff with the the creepy evil cat and just the way some of it was handled, mm-hmm. um, you know, I thought was done pretty well, but there were other parts of it that just, it was, it was cheesier than I would expect a 1989 movie to be. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, we've had so many other things that we've seen that are sophisticated horror movies that even if they're low budget, they're still done pretty well. And here we've hit 1989 and the quality of this one is probably what hit me more. Um, mm-hmm. I was just like, ah, this is not. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It so, definitely had what my dad would call a low budget feel. Yeah. Very much so. Now, in terms of the story itself, how that made me feel, that is, that's probably like one of my biggest nightmares. You know, whenever I, if, if my mind ever wants to go to the darkest places and say, you know, what's the worst case scenario that could possibly happen in in life right now, that's probably the situation, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, is, is having something like that happen. And, and what I thought was interesting was when I was reading some of the backstory on the book, Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. apparently this is have you read it any stephen king at all no okay no i haven't so my son john he he really likes stephen king stuff and he's read a few oh. of his books and he's read some of his short stories and so he's he's a big stephen king fan and this one as i was reading some of the backstory on this one this one stephen king wrote this book and then mm-hmm. he put it away because he was not that he was embarrassed by it, but he, it actually scared him when he finished mm-hmm. this book because he said, this is the darkest book I've ever written. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was based on real life events. Like apparently he and his family moved to a place out in the country and they lived at a, at a house that was next to a road that had trucks that were doing the exact same thing, just zooming down the road. Yeah. And apparently one day they came out and found that the family cat was dead by the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And then there was another day where they're out there playing with their kids and his son runs to the road and he catches his son in time. But he said that what prompted this book being written was then his mind, you know, after the fact, his mind started racing with what if I hadn't caught him? 
Mm-hmm. Like, what would I do as a father if I hadn't caught my son and kept him from getting mm-hmm. hit by a truck on this road? And so, and that's where it kind of it, it took shape from there. And I guess as he wrote it, he finished it, and, and he said that typically he would show his finished books to his wife. And yeah, her, not and, this one. No, he said he put it away somewhere. He locked it away, and uh, he fully intended for this book never to see the light of day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess what ended up happening was he ended up publishing it because he needed to get out of his contract. I, th- I think what I read was he was with uh, Doubleday Publishers at the time, mm-hmm. and he needed to get out of his contract with them, but he still had one book left that he was required to write for them. Okay. So instead of taking the time to you know sit down and take the months it would take to write a book, uh, he said, you know what, I've got this one that I've been sitting on. It's just, I just want it to be this throwaway thing that I'm just going to get out of my contract. So I'm going to give them Pet Cemetery because it's already written. I don't have to do any extra work for it. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I just release it and I'm done. And so that's the only reason this book got published according to Stephen King, because this book of all of his others, he said, this book is the one that actually terrifies him mm-hmm. that he thinks that when he wrote it of all of his other stories, all of his other books, this is the one that he said, I, I think I went too far. Um, you know, of taking this, taking my fears and taking what my nightmare would be in terms of, you know, caring for my children and taking it to its most extreme. Like, what would I do if I was put in the situation where I hadn't caught my son? And if I had, if I had the ability to do this, would I, would it drive me to the point where I would be willing to do the things that the father does in this movie? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, next question then, would you watch it again? Probably not. Okay. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm kind of done with it. Um, like I said, I, I didn't. I mean, w- when the kid comes back as the the slasher, I, I, I don't know. I that just that. Well, and you don't, you don't like it when a movie messes with kids. Right. I don't. You, like you've that. said that before. <laughs> yeah, and so I, 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 so I suppose you could just dismiss it and say, well, that's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, that that would be accurate. But again, it's even more than just, okay, well, they're messing with kids. But again, the, the focus, at least with the movie, and I mean, you know, maybe the book is different. And I, like I said, I, I can see where, you know, Stephen King is a, is a master storyteller and, and a, you know, a, a phenomenal writer. So I can see where the story is, is very compelling. And that's where I didn't like just, it, you know, that's why I didn't just turn the movie off and say, crap. You know, I mean, it was, you know, there's a lot of, of uh, interesting material there. But I guess, I guess my problem is just that it seemed like, as opposed to the dad struggling with the morality of, do I bring him back? Do I not bring him back? What if? Is it worth the 50? Like, I guess I would have liked to seen a little bit more of that, because that applies to real life, you know? Um, uh, you know, questioning the morality of, should I do this or should I not do this? Once it came back and like, okay, so the kid's evil and then you get this, you know, eight-year-old walking around being, I, I don't know, like that's like, yeah, that's just not my bag. Forget it. Well, um, that's nah. that's totally what I wanted to see too. Like if this, because my answer to this question is no, I would not watch this one again. Mm-hmm. But if I, I would be curious to see the new one that came out. Now, it didn't last very long in theaters, I don't believe. Um, so I don't know about its its quality as a remake or or, or whatever, but... I would be curious if the newer ones spent more time going through why he's making the decision, like what has driven him. Cause I don't feel like you saw that. I don't feel like you got the sense of 
I have been driven so far to the point where I would be willing, even though I know probably in my heart of hearts that this is going to turn out badly, just like it did for the cat, um, that I have been driven to the point where I must have my son back no matter what. Like I, I will even take him as, as a, a, you know, not fully him mm-hmm. uh, kind of creature, but you just don't, it just, I think it just glosses over that too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just don't, you don't get that struggle. And I think that's what I would have enjoyed more. Enjoy is not even probably the right word, but I would have been interested to see more of, like you said, how he gets to that point, like what drives right. him to the point that he's willing to, bury his son in a place where he knows that if his son does come back, he will not be the same person he was. Yeah. And are you doing this? Are you doing this for your son or are you doing this for you? Right. You know, like get into that, but yeah, what we got. And what brings him to the, to the idea that later on when it's his wife, that he's, you know, going to try to save that he's like, well, I, I, I waited too long with my son. If I just, if I do it right away, she'll be okay. You know, where does, where does that come into play? Like, does he, do we see him, struggle with the idea that maybe there's some rules here that I can kind of bend the rules and I can, you know, I can get this to work in my favor. And, mm-hmm. and you just don't, I, I, I just don't feel like you see that. Right. I think we just want this to be more highbrow and it isn't, it's kind of, I mean, and again, no one's asking me to write books, so I'm not, boy, I'm not judging the great Stephen King, but it's, I think we just, we're wanting it to be something that it is not. And it's, it is not a, this in-depth morality play that we kind of want it to be. It's more just a boy, that guy's an idiot. And you know, he's just tragic character, tragic flaw, whatever, however you want to say it. He just keeps doing this awful stuff and bad things happen and people come back and they're evil and so on and so forth. So I, yeah, I, I just, I mean, I'm just, that's where I just call it and say, I don't think the movie is what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so very quickly, I know we've kind of jumped around a little bit. We've kind of we've kind of just jumped over some stuff, but basic premise of the movie for anybody who hasn't seen it. First of all, I, I mean, you should probably go see it before you listen to us talk about it. But um, if you haven't seen it yet, basic premise is just the same as what I talked about with with Stephen King himself and his own life is a, a, a doctor and his family move to this town. Uh, they're kind of seems like they're kind of out in the middle of nowhere in the country. Uh, there's a road that one runs between their house and the neighbor's house. And this road is just uh, trucks just completely blowing past them way over the speed limit, not paying attention. Uh, and there's a pet cemetery that's been built just a little bit. This has been set up, you know, for a very long time, just over the side of uh, kind of a forested path. And the neighbor, uh, Herman Munster from the old Munster's TV show and my cousin Vinny was the judge there. Uh, he, takes them down there and he kind of explains that, you know, this road has caused a lot of dead pets. And so they built this pet cemetery and, and um, you know, that's, that's the purpose of what's here. And then later on when the cat dies and and his uh, family is out of town, then they take the cat and he takes him beyond the pet cemetery to somewhere else, Uh, apparently takes him to middle earth because they have to travel for like, you know, three days to get there. Yeah. And I don't, I don't get all kinds of terrain and, (laughs) Yeah, and why was Herman Munster pushing the, the pets, the, the other, I don't get that. I, that was the one piece I got confused with. Like, why does he keep pushing this? Well, and knowing that it was his dog as a kid that, that you know, turned, if he knows this, then, 
if, if he, he knows this and the, right if he knows that it happened to his dog and if he reveals later on oh yeah you know i i freaked out when you asked me if anybody had buried a human here but actually they have and this is what happened if you know that then mm-hmm. why are you why are you even encouraging this yeah what yeah i didn't quite i thought he was a cool character but i didn't quite get his motivation mm-hmm. like what's so, and I'm going to come back to that in a second, because my next question deals with, you know, characters and kind of how we responded to some of the characters in this movie. Uh, so they take the, they take the cat there. The cat comes back uh, after being buried there and it's not very pleasant. It smells bad. It's evil demonic cat. And um, it, it shows up in creepy places and it has these glowing eyes and all kinds of stuff. So uh, as the movie goes on, then we get to a later point where uh, they're playing outside and the sun runs out and gets hit by a truck and dies. And and that was rough. That was rough to watch. And so then you go through the funeral, you go through all this and, and they're, you know, they're, they're struggling now with the grief and the neighbor is, is over constantly trying to help them out. And then the wife and the daughter go out of town again. In the meantime, you've had this kind of, and I like how you put it, because it made me think of the same thing. You have this kind of ghostly visitor that will show up and it, it's it's very similar to the friend in um, American Werewolf in London mm-hmm. where he's kind of like you can see his brain sticking out of his head and uh, you know he's there to try to pass on a message that hey look you you don't want to you don't want to be doing this like you need to stop you don't don't bring things back it's not meant to happen mm-hmm. so that's kind of mm-hmm. constantly happening and and then ultimately after the wife and and daughter go out of town for a while to spend some time with family. Then he goes to the cemetery, digs up his son, takes him to the, um, the native American burial ground, buries him there. And then, you know, he kind of goes back home and just waits. And then eventually the wife gets a sense from her daughter that something bad is about to happen, realizes that uh, maybe, you know, someone has been communicating with her daughter and so she knows she's got to go back home. She goes back home. She ends up getting to the house across the street to Herman Munster's house. And you find that the uh, little boy Gage has come back and he is, um, he stole his father's scalpel, which mm-hmm. never good. This is why I would never be a doctor. Mm-hmm. The fact that scalpels are sitting around somewhere. Right. And uh, pretty, pretty gruesome murder of uh, Herman Munster. And then, you know, just goes for the neck. Um, you know, it has turned into just a little uh, neck eating zombie baby and, mm-hmm. um, you know, murders him. And then the mother shows up and then he is uh, the little little demonic kid is kind of toying with her a little bit and ultimately ends up killing her too. And then the father uh, decides that he is going to go stop the son now that he knows what he's done. And he takes some of his uh, medical supplies with him, takes some syringes that he's going to use to stop him and, you know, uses one on the cat and ends the cat. And then eventually he's got to go over uh, to the other house, find his son, and he's going to try to end his son as well. And apparently Mm -hmm. uh, demonic toddlers are way stronger than normal people. Well, sure, of course they are. Because apparently they start wrestling and and the father is not able to uh, keep this demonic child away from him. So, Mm -hmm. right. I I wasn't too sure about that part either. But, uh, and then eventually he is able to stick the syringe in the side of his son's neck and he kind of lets out this childish monster scream kind of thing, this little almost like a cat whine. And, um, and then that actually was kind of, it was almost kind of a funny part. The little kid, before he kind of stumbles away, he just looks back and just goes, no fair, no fair. 
<laughs> like, okay, that's kind of funny, but also kind of creepy. So I, I'm okay with that part. I'll, I'll let that one slide. Mm-hmm. And uh, the little kid, I mean, he, we're going to talk about the actors or the, the characters here in a second. I thought the little kid did great. For the other acting <laughs> that I thought was kind of weak. Yeah. I, yeah. Herman Munster and the kid, I could just watch a whole movie with the two of them. And I'd probably. Sure. Sure. Um, so that's kind of the basics of the movie. Then at the very, very end, he does, uh, he takes his wife's body and he kind of realizes, look, she hasn't been dead that long. I'm just, I'm going to take her back. It's going to be, it's, she hasn't been dead. So she won't turn uh, like, like everyone else did. So um, I'm going to take her and bury her. And at the yeah. end of the movie, she shows up, you know, very, very cut up, very gross, still bleeding and oozing and whatnot. And uh, he starts to kiss her and mm, yeah, that was also kind of gross. And yep. uh, as they are enjoying uh, some time together in the kitchen, she reaches over, grabs a knife, and then the whole thing goes black and you hear him scream. Yeah. Uh, roll yeah. credits. So, yeah, so like, not, not a whole lot redeeming about the movie. Um, no. Nope. Things end up badly for everybody. Mm-hmm. So especially for the poor daughter who, you know, her entire family is gone. And for all we know, zombie mother is still around somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's kind of the basic plot of the movie. Now I want to jump back for a second because we've kind of danced around this part too. Let's just, let's take a few of these characters. I want to take kind of the main character, the father, um, and then the, uh, kind of the Herman Munster character. And, um, I want to talk about them for a second because the Herman Munster character, he was probably my favorite of Mm -hmm. the characters in this movie, except when I think too hard about what he did. Right. Because as you said, same thing. Like he's, he's this kindly old man who kind of lives out on a farm and he's got all this, you know, sage advice and, and on all kinds of stuff. But then he's doing things that when you realize throughout the movie as he's been revealing, oh, by the way, there was this, my dog. Uh, I buried my dog there and it came back and it was vicious and evil. And Oh, by the way, there was somebody in town that buried their son there and he came back and we had to burn him down inside of a house. And <laughs> and I'm listening to this and I'm just going, wait, are you kidding me? Yeah. Where, where? Okay. So then what you, when you get to, and this is not my, this is not my perspective on like people in real life, but I know it's a movie. So I think I'm safe in saying, then you know what, dude, you kind of deserve to die by the end of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, the, the way you've, you've brought all of this upon these people. If you didn't, you're the reason that all this happened because the guy never would have found, you know, he never would have traveled all the way across middle earth and, and the plains of Gondor and everything else to bury. Right. Them. He wouldn't have known anything about it. Had you not started this whole process in the first place. So yeah, actually yeah. you, you kind of, you know, to, to quote a line from the Joker, you get what you deserve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so while I like, while I like him as an actor and I like him in like other parts that he has been in, uh, yeah. he, he just has a fun voice too. Um, yep. and you know, I'd, I'd hang out with him, but at the same yep. time, I'm like you as a character in this movie, you're kind of a horrible human being and it's all yep. your fault. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. He's a big jerk. He's a big poopy head. Literally a big jerk. I don't remember how tall he is, but yeah, he's a big dude. He's a big dude. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, uh, uh, John, I agree with you. I agree with everything you said with that. I, I, he is not, um, he's kind of like, what, what are you doing, man? Like, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with, mm-hmm. I got nothing else than that. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I just, it, it drove me nuts. Like he was one of my favorite characters. And then all of a sudden that started to happen. I'm like that. No. Okay. No more. He, yeah. You lose. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like what, you know, it's like when you have a kid at school that just does things and you're like, mm-hmm. what, what are you thinking? Like mm-hmm. what, you, you thought this was a good idea. Like what, and that's even on a story level, that's part of what I struggled with because, okay. If he was bumbling, okay. If he was really yeah. evil, okay. I didn't quite get his motivation. I didn't qu- quite get what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause he seemed like, he seemed like, Oh, you should be careful. You should, but he's, he like, he's very caring. He's like a, he's like a grandpa. Right. Um, and you know, he, some of his, what's kind of funny to me is I, I almost kind of equate him and and the way his character starts off in this movie as being being very similar to one of my grandfathers because one of my grand my mom's dad was he was he was very tall he was probably about six foot two um and he very almost very similar features to uh, the actor's name is fred gwynn who played um herman munster and he was the judge and my cousin Vinny and and judd crandall in this movie um you know, so very similar features to, to one of my grandfathers. And so I think that's why in the beginning of this movie, when he had that kind of vibe to him, like a, a kindly old man who is, you know, caring for the kids and giving you advice and hey, come over when you want to sit down and have a, have a beer with me or something. Yeah. And then as the movie goes on, you're like, you're a horrible human being. Yeah. You're, you just you're, are really a bad, you're a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> to, to quote Pat Canigallo, you're a jerk. Yeah. It's, I, he is, uh, I did look yes. it up. He's six foot five. Okay. Yeah. Well, so he gets up there. He's, he's not alive anymore, but he's, he was six foot five. He was now yeah. he's now he's, now if he's six feet under, then that would be yeah, that's, six, my, you know, 12, my, negative 12. Ne- I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Carry the two I'm, with the Y axis and the, I was just going to say, use the, use the, wait, X, X axis. Right? X axis. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm not a math teacher. It was my understanding. It was my understanding that there would be no math. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm hearing everything you're saying, and I all okay. I can say is I agree. Okay. All right. So. Um, I think we're probably going to agree on the father, too, because he's a jerk face. Yeah. What the heck is your major – what is your damage, little boy? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, whoa. Because that's just – I mean, even if – You've already been told that an animal was buried there and it came back and it wasn't the same. A human was buried there. It came back. It wasn't the same. You buried your cat there. It came back. It wasn't the same. How bad of a doctor do you have to be to see all these symptoms and still say, oh, no, no, let me bury my son there. What do you, yeah, what do you foresee as the outcome? Right. Just out of curiosity. Let's. So this is the, what's, what's the phrase that you've used before? So this is the choice you went with today? Yeah. Okay. So when you woke up this morning, <laughs> this was, this was your plan, right? When you had, right. you had the whole day in front of you and you had all the choices. This, this is what you came up with. This is what you settled on. Let me just be clear about this. This was the good, this was, this was the go, this was the go plan of all the options. This is the one you went with. This is the one that you, okay. I'm just, I want to be clear on that because you know, this, this was it. Okay. All right. Jeez. No. So no, not a fan, not a fan of him. Um, now the one person I did, I, I liked, um, Fred Gwynn's acting in this one and I'm blanking out on the name of the little kid, uh, the, the actor's name, but the kid who played yeah. Gage, I mean, that kid, that was, that was some, 
pretty good acting. Like the beginning of the movie, he he was cute. You know, he's the the cute requisite little kid. You know, things are all good here. And then he, when he turns, I don't know how they got that kid to channel. You know, demonic toddler, but he did it very well. Yeah, yeah. So I think we've kind of one of my questions is kind of like how do we feel about how the story is resolved? We've already said we didn't really care for it. Yeah, um, nope. So what about this? Let me, let me ask you this one. I thought this was an interesting question from this, this list of questions I'm, I'm kind of borrowing right, man. from here on in our, in our podcast. Uh, if, we like, if we like doing the questions this way, I'll just borrow them from, from now on. Yeah. So here's this one. And then we'll get on into our five questions here in just a second. Um, how do you think this would affect people as they return to their everyday activities? So we watch movies to escape from things, you know, even scary movies. Like I think I, I was listening to somebody a while ago and they said, you know, the reason I think people watch scary movies is so that we can, um, we can work through some of the darker thoughts that are in our head, um, mm. you know, as, as a way of exercising our own demons and, and, you know, working through some of those thoughts in our head and, and dealing with when, when we go to a negative place, dealing with that kind of stuff, um, you know, and, and trying to deal with, whatever the metaphorical monsters are in our life. Okay. So knowing that people come watch movies and they watch them. And then after the movie, they have to go about their, their everyday lives and go back to their normal activities. What effect do you think this would have on somebody or what effect did it have on you? Is there anything that after watching this movie, you're going to take away and you're going to kind of keep as this is what I learned from this movie, or this is how this movie affects me going forward. One, uh, look, you know, watch the street, watch the kids in the street and teach the kids, you know, early street safety. I kind of came up with that one. No, I, I think, I mean, I, I would have built a fence is what I would have done. The first time I saw a truck barreling past there, yeah. I would have put a fence up, but yeah, no kidding. Um, you know, I, I was trying to think about like, what do you, what do you take away from this movie? Even if I didn't care for the acting, if I didn't care for how the movie was resolved, if it just kind of frustrated me the entire time it was going on. Um, you know, as you said earlier, as a story, it's got a compelling story to it. And I think it just could have mm-hmm. been, there's a few things here and there that could have been done to make it better. Um, sure. But what do I take away from this? I think one of the things I take away from this is you gotta, you gotta deal with your grief. You can't mm-hmm. like, you, oh yeah. Not that we have the option of burying, you know, our, our loved ones or our pets or whatever in a place that'll bring them back, but you just, you, you got to deal with it a little bit better. And I think that's what I wanted to see in this movie was I wanted to see him dealing with his grief and then coming to the conclusion that this is my only option I have left is to bring my son back to life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it would, would have made it more compelling for me if we had seen that. Right. So, right. All right. Are you ready for five questions? I am ready for five questions. Let's do it. Well, we've kind of already done questions, but we can now officially do the five, the questions. five questions. The five questions. The five that, questions that we have set. So, all right, mm-hmm. five questions. I want to play a game. I teach travel a five questions. What's your favorite scary movie? Well, were they psychos? Or? They look like psychos. Is that what they look like? They were vampires. Psychos do not explode when sunlight hits them. I don't give a f- how crazy they are. Please, mister, this is insane. Boy, the next word that comes out of your mouth better be some brilliant, because it's definitely getting chiseled on your tombstone. Okay, so I think with our five questions, uh, my first question, I I think I know the answer for both of us, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you knew, question number one, if you knew there was a 50-50 chance of it coming back normally or possibly 
possessed. Uh, would you bury anything or anyone in the pet cemetery? No. Okay. That was my answer too. Yeah. There you go. All right. Flat out. No. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, that's I, it. It's a 50, 50 chance. And if it was something or someone that I loved, why do I even want to take the chance? Even if it was, even if it was someone that was, was taken way too early, mm-hmm. why would I ever want to take the possible 50, 50 chance that not only am I going to tarnish the memories, but I'm just going to completely turn it into something that is so corrupt and, and evil and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to say, I mean, I know that you mentioned before, you know, our beliefs and I'm not going to get too much into our beliefs, but I'll just quote a movie that I think kind of sums up my beliefs and, you know, kind of, but keeps it within the rounds of, and I'm going to quote Rudy and just say, son, since becoming a priest, there's two things I've learned. There is a God and I'm not him. And I'm just going to leave it like that. It's, uh, it's, it's just, you know, we, we, we don't get to play God. So right. don't try to play God. Right. All right. Question number two, what is the scariest animal you could imagine coming back to life as a demonic version of itself? Ooh. My wife and I actually had the exact same answer for this one. Oh, okay. Well, let's hear it, man. Let's hear the Reed household. Chipmunks. Chipmunks. Yeah, we hate chipmunks. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm much more of an anti-raccoon person. Okay. Um, I, mm, the raccoons, they would get into our garbage. I actually chased one with an ax one time. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't catch mm-hmm. it, just just scared it away. Um, okay. But I feel like now I'm, I'm probably known in the raccoon community as that crazy ax murderer. Uh, right. It's okay. And, and, and hey, if, if that's the story that's going around, that's totally fine. Yeah, we're all but uh, no uh, chipmunks. Like chipmunks, they 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 just destroy so much stuff. They they get under our stoop and they like burrow under the front steps of the house and and cause mm-hmm. all kinds of trouble. And they're always sitting there on the fence, just chirping their little heads off. And and just I mean, they're already aggressive and obnoxious and cause damage. So if they were to come back and they were like these zombie aggressive attack chipmunks, mm-hmm. that would just be even worse. Okay. Okay. And, and you, got, go... you got kind of like with the kid too, you've kind of got the cuteness factor because they are cute, but at the same time, oh. I, I think they're already almost demonic. So this stre- it's not that far to, no, yeah, no, to I don't want to push that. them over. I don't want to push them over the edge. Um, yeah. Okay. I get that. I get that. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I, uh, I myself, I think anything that's like, will swarm you, you know, like birds. Oh Yeah like bugs things like that but if you had to ask me like right now go with something i think yeah man a swarm something that swarms you like the birds or yeah you know that would that would probably get me bees or wasps or something like that yeah something like that mm-hmm. okay all right uh number three favorite evil animal story so this could be like a book movie tv show um, I'm going to go and I'm actually going to, this, this is kind of along the same lines as, as your response to the last question. I'm going to go with, with, um, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's the birds. Okay. That is, I remember watching that as a kid and that is Dude. still, that is still one of my favorite. Like if I have to go back to like an old school black and white, um, or even just an Alfred Hitchcock movie, that's still one of my favorites. All right. All right. Have, have you ever watched the birds? I have. Yeah. Maybe not even all of it, but parts of it. Okay. Um, yeah, know. it's it's creepy stuff. 
Okay, so I would have to go with Jaws. Okay. But that one's borderline because there's some people that would say, well, is Jaws really evil? You know, because that's just, you could technically say, well, you know, I mean, we're kind of encroaching in its grounds and blah, 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 blah. So I guess if I had to uh, say an evil animal story, I guess I'd go with Brotherhood of the Wolf. I really okay. enjoyed that movie. Um, and that's where, when I think of like evil, like evil kind of animal and all that kind of stuff, that's, you know, that movie comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when I almost went with American Werewolf. I mean, American Werewolf in London. Right. Love, okay. love that movie. Um, the other one I thought of was, um, oh gosh, I'm going to blank out on now. Piranha. I used to watch like the Piranha oh. movies, the Jaws movie, like all that stuff. But right, I remember right. Piranha was one of those that I probably stayed up way too late when everybody else in the house was asleep and I watched it mm-hmm. way too young. Um, right. Sure. But yeah, sure. any of any of those, any of those like Piranha, Jaws, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, question number four, favorite Stephen King story. Now, this does we both have said we haven't really read any of his books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you've seen too many of his movies or not, but uh, do you have a favorite Stephen King story? Didn't he write Shawshank Redemption? He did, and that's actually part of one of my answers. Okay, yeah, I'll say Shawshank Redemption. Okay, all right. Since you said that, I'll take something different, but... Okay, man, take something different. Yeah. So I, I would have said that one too. Uh, the, the story it's based off of is Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, but you know, the movie, great movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Not a horror movie at all, but great movie. Mm. So I'm going to take, I've never read the book. Uh, this was actually my son's response. He said this was his favorite story. Uh, he had a short story too, and I don't remember what, he, what the name of it was, but uh, his was It. And okay. so now that I've seen uh, It and It Chapter 2, in the theater, I, those are the those are the only versions. I'm, I haven't even seen the original yet, but uh, those two movies, if I throw those together as one story, then I really liked both of those movies. I've never read the book. I had not seen the original with Tim Curry, but I really liked uh, both of those two movies together as a as a complete story. And uh, okay. so I, I, I'm gonna go with that one. Cool. All right, final question. And uh, I was kind of hoping, I mean, you're going to give a good enough answer for this one too, but I was kind of hoping Bo was going to be here tonight so he'd be able to jump in on this one. Uh, question number five. So Denise Crosby was the mother in this, uh, in this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my question here is, final five question, uh, fifth question here. What is your favorite Tasha Yar episode from The Next Generation? Would you care to go first? Uh, I will go first. Actually, mine is okay. yesterday's, yesterday's Enterprise. Yep, second that. Is that <laughs> that one's yours too? Second that, yeah. Uh, the most awkward one is the naked now. But yeah, I, yeah, the, second that. <laughs> okay, all right. So we're, Data, we're how how functional are you? Yeah, <laughs> fully uh-huh. functional. Uh huh. I bleed. Uh huh. You bleed. Do I not cry? Mm-hmm. I think I got those lines mixed up. You know, yeah, was, you're I, close enough. You're close enough. And it was, as I was it was either of, it was either her or with uh, the Borg Queen. I don't know whichever one. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I we talked about um, this when we did the Star Trek, uh, the special on the Next Generation. That mm-hmm. first season, there were definitely some clunkers in there. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem is Tash, Tasha Yar uh, only made it the first season, so. You know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and that was, and I, I, it would have really been cool to see her character develop. It would have been really cool to see her character develop as the writing did, and right. I think that would have, I think that, and I think that's why yesterday's Enterprise is so, uh, uh, is is the one that's 
is the one that's, uh, you know, that, that fires on all cylinders for us, the one that we vote for and all that, just simply because that's when the writers and everyone was really, you know, hitting their prime and, and writing good stories. Yeah. Cause that, that was better, like, season, was it, that was better. season three, wasn't it? Yes. It, like it was either season two or three or so. Yeah. I forget exactly where, but yeah. Uh, it, yeah I, I don't know if it, it was two. I want to say okay. it was like three or maybe even four. Three or four. I, okay. I, I thought it was a little bit later on. Okay. Well, I mean that, like you said, that's when they kind of, the writing started to hit its stride was season three, at least when you, now, when you got. Now, can we, can, is it just Tasha Yar or can we, uh, can we say the favorite episode that included her as, um, oh, what was it? The Romulan commander. Oh yeah. Her daughter. Yeah. Was what that, was uh, name? yeah. I mean, she's in a whole bunch. I mean, she really. Was that the, was that the unification? Wasn't that a two part? She was, yeah, she was in unification. Mm-hmm. She was in the Klingon civil war. Um, heck I, was she, no, she wasn't in that movies, but, uh, but she was, um, you know, she did feature a whole lot. So that was kind of mm-hmm. cool. They brought her back as a bad guy. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and a compelling character too, you know? So anyways, I, uh, I'm going to end up talking more about Star Trek and Tasha Yar than <laughs> the entire the, stinking movie, but then, then pet cemetery. Yes. But, uh, I would say that I would say if it had to be Tasha Yar, then I would say yesterday's enterprise. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, if I, the, the interesting question would be, let's say you've got to pick one in, you know, from season one, but I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at those. And I, I wouldn't do that to you. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've already made you talk about pet cemetery, so I wouldn't do that to you. Yeah. yeah. Well, season one, it wasn't <laughs> awful. I mean, I dug it. It's just, yeah, I mean, it was, it wasn't the best, but right. When are, when are we as human beings always at our best? I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our five questions. That's going to do it for Pet Cemetery. So if you've got your own thoughts on Pet Cemetery and you maybe they completely differ from ours, maybe you watched this movie and you had a completely different take on this. We would love to hear from you. We've got a voicemail line. We've got Twitter, email, all kinds of other stuff. So uh, if you want to reach out and just let us know, hey, I watched this movie. This is what I got. Uh, this is how I uh, you know came away with this. And I loved it, or I've read the book. The book is so much better. We'd love to hear that. So please uh, jump over to our website, 30podcast.com. Let us know what you thought. Uh, If you want to answer any of the five questions, feel free to do that too. But uh, that's going to do it for this time around. Next time, as we move on into our next movies for the horror month of October, we uh, we just did Pet Cemetery. We've got Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. Pat, are you looking Mm -hmm. forward to that one? Oh, can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. And the sarcasm is strong with that one. Yeah, um, it's going to be just wonderful. <laughs> uh-huh. And then uh, we've got Leviathan and Shocker. And now the, mm-hmm. the fun part for me this month, um, I know, like we've already said, you're, you've done you've done really well every October to get through these with us. Um, I do what I can. You, you do what you Struggle can. Struggle is and, real. You know, above and beyond. And uh, you, you're taking at least five or six for the team this month. And uh, But for me... Most of the, if not all the movies, actually all the movies this month, I have not seen them. So this will be the first time I'm ever yeah. watching them. Yeah. So I'm kind of excited for that. I am, you know, I am a horror movie fan, so I am yes, looking forward are. to that stuff. So, uh, but yeah, so that's going to be coming out next time. will be Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, and then Leviathan, and then Shocker. Uh, and then we'll get on into our November and December. It's, it's really kind of hard to believe that the year is almost over. Like when you really look at this, we are... 
I, I feel like we were like leading up to this year, you were looking so forward to Batman that uh, leading up to this year, we just were, you know, just couldn't wait to get here. And now all of a sudden we are almost done with this year. It's it's hard to believe, man. It's, it's hard little... to believe I'm into the 90s. But I mean, again, and we'll just cue it. We, this has come up in a number of the last episodes. Look at what's coming up in 1990. And, oh, yeah. Uh, there's plenty to be excited about. Mm-hmm. Lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. So thank you for being here, Pat. Well, thank you, John. And everybody, go watch some good movies. And go watch some good scary movies. And uh, we'll see you back here next time. Be excellent to each other. Bye now.